best morning I can get out of you? There we go. That makes me feel a little bit better. I only took one week off, and they already changed the church name on some documents that are out here. I'm just telling you. It scares me when I take off. I uh, just want to start with this week's challenge uh, for the church is we have a statement to pray, and that statement is that we would boldly proclaim the gospel with compassion for those who are lost. The scripture we're going to memorize is Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, which is then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. Pray, therefore, Lord of the harvest, that he may send forth labors into his harvest. That is the actual scripture that moved me into doing full-time ministry is reaching people for Jesus. Amen. Um, and then we're going to ask you to do one day of fasting this week, fasting and prayer for your place in the harvest, okay? I can tell you're all excited about church. Let's pray. Father, let our faith overcome our fear and that we would go into the field and do the work that you've called us to, the work of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And when we sow that seed, when we share that gospel, when we share that message, encourage them to come to a place where they can grow and develop as a Christian. Encourage them to be a part of a church. This is your calling to us, Lord. You're, you're, you're asking for us to go into the harvest that you've already prepared for us. Father, you know as I've spent this last week and a half on vacation, I've spent the week with the world, and they, they need you. They need you, but what they need is to hear a preacher who'd preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So encourage your hearts to be those preachers. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing. sin and shame and they were like prisons that we couldn't escape but he came and he died and he rose those walls are rubble now remember those giants we called death and grave and they were like mountains that stood in our way but he came and he died and he rose those giants are dead now this is our god this is who he is he loves us this is our god this is what he does he saves us he bore the took our breath away faith so weak that we could barely pray but he heard every word every whisper Any day. 
Is that all you want this morning? Is he enough? Is he enough? Let's go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time. Keep the teens in the room for just a few more minutes, but no, turn the lights back off. Don't get ahead of me. We trust God, don't we? And because we trust God, we can obey God. Because God says to trust Him, we have no problem obeying God. When it comes to our offerings, do we trust God? Do we obey God? Let's be that kind of people. That if we know that God says something, that we trust it enough put our money where our mouth is to put our hands where our heart is let's pray Father I know this summer makes it easy for me to be selfish that my vacation and my activity can fill my heart and mind with little room for you that I can be so occupied with my time in the sun that I forget about the sun Jesus Christ let our worship for let our worship be for the Christ your son not the created son and we don't get much of the created son in this community but we as a people live in the Christ the son of God And I thought about national freedom this week and how it's so easy to celebrate the freedom we have as a country but without celebrating the fact that we're free in Christ from our sins. That's true freedom. So as we bring our offerings to you, as we trust you with our tithes and our, our, our finances, let us do so because we're worshiping the one true God. And we trust you to provide for us. That we trust for you to take care of us. That we trust for you to keep your word as we keep ours. We just want you. We just want you. We just want you. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, don't sit down yet. Got a couple of announcements. We got first Thursday, this Thursday night at 6 o'clock. It's where we take communion. We have a supper together. Um, We're going to have a teaching on the doctrine of God. I asked Verlin to preach 60 minutes on the doctrine of God. So he's got to encompass all of God in 60 minutes. And I trust that he can do that. So that'll be Thursday night at 6 o'clock. Bring your potluck. We'll take communion together. We'll do a teaching on the doctrine. On July 17th at 6 p.m., there's a men's gathering that we're going to have. If you want more information on that, see Kendrick out at the information desk. He's giving me directions. Um, Kendrick out at the information desk and sign up there. There's a $10 cost for that. Come on, you can do $10, right? Bring your friends that don't know Jesus. Amen.
Can we do um, that song again? Would you like to do that song again? Can we do that? She's going to get her band ready. Are they ready? Okay. Let's worship. Nothing else, nothing else, 
take just a moment and bow our heads and close our eyes if we can. Just Let's just take this moment not take it for granted that it's just another song that we sing. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. What would you say to him? What would you say? What would you ask him? What would you need from him? What would you want from him? Let's take a few moments with heads bowed and eyes closed. The altar's open if you want to just come up and just talk to him. Just tell him how you're feeling. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're struggling with. Tell him what you're happy about.
Jesus, I think that sometimes we forget that we can come to you just to have you hold us. That you want to encourage us to trust you. That everything's going to be okay. And Jesus, sometimes we don't take that moment in church because we're so busy with our schedule and our things. That we don't stop and just look you in the eyes and tell you that we love you. Jesus, there's people in this room that may not know you. They know of you, they've heard about you, but they don't know you in a way that would cause them to just want you. Let those that don't know you feel you today. Let those that are struggling with you know you today. It would not be a waste of time to just sit here at your feet. I have a tendency, Father, as you know, to be more of a Martha than a Mary. I have a tendency to want to do more than just sit and soak in the love of Christ. We need you today, Jesus. This world needs you, Jesus. The people in this room need you, Jesus. We're not perfect followers, but we're following a perfect God. Encourage us in that. We love you so. In Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, man, y'all may be seated. Daniel, come on up. Grab the mic when you go by. Grab the mic. Teen's going to stay with me just for a minute, and then we're going to dismiss you so you don't have to sit here and listen to me. You're not supposed to amen that. <laughs> Daniel, come over here. Daniel's going to read something. Um, I'm going to read the first verse. Is that okay? So we're going to stay in our series. Da- uh, what's his name? An- Angelo. Did a great job last Sunday, didn't he? Didn't he bring the word? It was awesome. Loved it. Loved what he did. And we're going to stay in that series. It is a risky faith to follow Jesus. Because you're going to have to give up some things on this earth. But it's also dangerous for other things. And so we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 for three weeks. Because there's three thrones that we're going to talk about here. And when we get to the third throne, it's the earthly throne. And that's the one that I I wanted the teens in here to hear this. Because we're going to talk about what causes somebody to be an atheist. We're going to talk about what causes somebody to struggle with gender identity. We're going to talk about what causes someone to go from being heterosexual to homosexual. 
We're not going to beat those people up. So just, I'm just warning you because that's the danger. Someone's going to say, oh, he's just going to start bashing people. No, I'm not. I'm going to teach you a principle that will change your life. But I got these two other sermons to get through to get us to that point. I got these two other teachings to get us through to get there to where we really understand what, what's going on. Then the fourth week, we're doing a, a, a message on the live coal. And that's Isaiah chapter 5, I think it's 6-5, I think it is. Um, but that Sunday, I want you to bring people that don't know Jesus to church. So that gives you four weeks to find somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Throw a rock and see if they'll forgive you. If they forgive you, they know Jesus. If they don't, bring them to church. <laughs> Amen? So Daniel, you ready to go? So Isaiah 6-1 says, In the year that kings... Oh, no, we're not going to sing any more songs. Oh, go ahead and shut the pad off. I, she was, I didn't know she was waiting for us to do the fourth, third song, so we're going to skip that. Is that okay? Well, it doesn't matter if it is. We're going to skip it anyway. <laughs> Isaiah 6.1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. King Uzziah began to be king at 16 years old. Daniel is 16. So just imagine him becoming king of a nation. Amen. <laughs> just imagine that. And he was king for 52 years. So he reigned until he was, what's that, 68? Which I'm 60, so just give me a few more years and I'll be at the tail end. And he was a good king. He was a good king. Go ahead, Daniel. Second Kings 15.3 And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He's even got a king's voice. <laughs> I don't know what mine is, but his is the king. He sought after God. Second Chronicles 26.5 he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And he had a great fear of God. Second Chronicles 26.5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he had sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And he became famous. Second Chronicles 26.8. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he had become very strong. He was a good king. He sought after God. He had a great fear of God, and he became famous for that. So just get in your mind this young king who did all the right things. And then we'll dismiss Daniel, because now we're going to go negative. Thank you, Daniel. Give him a hand. We can, we can dismiss the teens at this time if they would like to go. Or would they like to stay? Do you want to hear what I'm going to say? Think about this. Um, if this was uh, our current generation, this moment, and this was somebody that we looked up to, And if it was, let's just call it in, in the Christian world, let's just say that this was us as Christians and we saw a man like this. He was a good king, he sought after God, he had a great fear of God and he became famous. We would follow his teachings. 
that's what's happening in America today with modern day Christians is we would follow the teachings of somebody that we think is this amazing leader. We would follow him on Instagram because we'd want to see how awesome his life is. And as you know from your own Instagram, it's not true. Right? You just got in a fight with your wife and then you had took a picture with a smile on your face. But you, okay, nobody got that. You would want to attend his church. If Say he was the, 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 the pastor of a church. You would want to attend his church because he was a good king. He sought after God. He had a great fear of God and he was famous. He did right by God, was constantly in prayer in the word. He had a great fear of God and God blessed so much that other people knew how awesome he was. But earthly praise always leads to earthly pride. I'm going to say that again. This is a, a big statement. Earthly praise always leads to earthly pride. So 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 16. We're going to read this together. You can read it out loud if you want, but it's going to be hard to stay with me because I read kind of fast. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. That's a message in itself. When he grew strong, he grew proud to his destruction. When he grew strong, he grew proud to his destruction. When he grew strong, get that image in your mind. There's this great person, this great leader, this great pastor, this great man of God, this great person. That when he became strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He did something that was not his place to do. But Azariah the priest went in after him and 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor and they, get, they withstood Uzziah and said to him, now stop real quick, so just get this image. Here's these priests and they're responsible for the temple. And Uzziah goes in and he's going to burn incense and it's not his place to burn incense. It's not his, his throne, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And so 80 priests with swords, mighty men of valor, go in to keep him from going into the temple and defiling the temple. That's the kind of ushers we need. Mighty men of valor. But Azariah the priest went in after him, and 80 priests of the Lord who were mighty men of valor a men of valor, and they withstood the king Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Then they tell him, this is this good king, they tell him, go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God, which made Uzziah angry, and now he had the censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, Leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests of the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and, and, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, so it tells us what being a leper meant. He was a leper unto the day of his death, and being a leper, he lived in a separate house. And he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over his king's household and governing the people of the land. When he grew strong, he grew proud to his destruction. He wasn't the ultimate authority on earth, though he was king. 
Even though he was a good king, he thought too much of himself. He was an authority, not the authority. And that's important to remember. You might be a authority in your life, but you are not the authority in all of life. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority belongs to him. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. It belongs to him. It's his. But Uzziah tried to sit on the priest's throne. He tried, they tried to warn Uzziah, saying, it's not for you to burn incense to the Lord, for it's the priests who are consecrated to do so. But because he was king and so full of himself and so strong that he thought, I can do whatever I want to do. And his pride became a leprosy, which is a public punishment for taking on authority that was not given him by God. God gave him authority. God made him a king. But when he tried to take on somebody else's authority, he became a leper. His life ended tragically isolated until his death. He sat on an earthly throne, placed there by God, but became prideful and became excluded from the house of the Lord. Just get that image in your mind. They thought he was this awesome guy, and then he did what he wanted to do. He thought he could sit on a throne that's not his, thought he could take authority that wasn't his, and became a leper. Now, Uzziah's fall from grace discouraged Isaiah so much that he used the moment of misery to mark a moment of history. That's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the day that King Uzziah died, he marked a moment where he met with God and a moment that he lost his king. This plays into a lot of things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, couple of three weeks. But we're going to start with the different thrones that are authorities that God gives us to live under. Because God gives us authority to live under. This generation doesn't respond well to that. We don't think that anybody's over us. We're kind of like Uzziah in that we think we, we have, we're authority under ourselves. I'll do what I want to do. I'll do what's best for me. And we think we are the authority when we're not the authority. God is the authority. So we're going to mention four authorities that God puts in our lives and I'm just going to say this right now this is not wanted by most Christians this is not liked by most Christians this is not liked by most people this this in America right now would be anti-American so there's a truth of, of God putting people on the thrones and God put, peop, put puts people on the throne of nations Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20 and verse 21 says Daniel answered and said Blessed be the name of God, our God forever and ever, forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God removes kings and God sets up kings. God puts national authorities in place that he wants to put in place. We don't like that. We think it's our vote that puts people in place. It is God's way that puts people in place. Now, some are very good leaders like Uzziah for a season, and some are very bad like Hitler. Now, this is where it gets a little bit of a struggle. Because God puts them on the throne. 
And some would say, why would God put Hitler on the throne? If you look at biblical prophecy, you find out that the atrocities of World War II caused Israel to go back home. If it wasn't for that atrocity that happened with Hitler, there would be no new nation of Israel, which means the end times that God prophesied would happen would never have happened. Israel becoming a nation again is what's causing us to be realizing that the end is near. God did that. Why? Because the only way to move people sometimes is to have them go through difficult times. And you know that in your own life. Some of you stay away from church and stayed away from God until you went through something tough and something hard. And then suddenly you said, oh, I need God in my life. I got to get back to church. I got to start reading my Bible. I got to start praying. But it took pain to, cause, to push you back to the presence of God. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says, Let every person be subject to governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. I'm going to say it one more time. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. All thrones on the earth, all authorities in the earth have been instituted by God. God put them in place. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Are you with me? Or did you leave me already? I'm just reading what the scripture says. And this, this is what we don't, we don't want this preached. We want to talk about why well, we can be an authority under ourselves and we can do what we want. We can fight the authority if we want. But when you fight the authority that God put in place, you're fighting God himself. Amen. I'm, I'm feeling lonely. I only took one week off and I'm already lonely. You'll find this truth in the throne of the home. God sets up the thrones of the home. Husbands have a, a, a responsibility. And that's, when I, when I talk about thrones, it's also responsibility, not just authority. But there's a, a responsibility to love our wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians chapter 5. God's the one that organized the home so that the husband would be the head of the family. Yeah, I don't hear any amens and I don't hear any excitement at all. All I hear is, I don't like that. I didn't set it up. God did. Wives have the responsibility to the throne towards their husbands to live with them as they would live with Christ. They have a throne. Ladies, you have a throne in your home. It's different than your husband's. But God set it up. Now, I know what the world says. I know what America says. I'm telling you what the scripture's teaching. Fathers are not supposed to provoke their children into anger. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It doesn't say mothers bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It says fathers. God instituted you, fathers, as the authority to raise your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You are on that throne to teach your children about God. Praise God for godly women who make up for ungodly husbands. Yeah, yeah. 
Children are to honor God by obeying their parents because God put your parents in the home to rule over you. Take out the garbage when they tell you to take out the garbage. They're sitting on a throne. Just look at them sitting on a throne saying, take out the garbage. To not take out the garbage is to fight against God. I know, I know. I wish I should have taken another week off. (laughs) Angelo said he had the hard message. Come on, man. That was easy. You're just telling the woes. The Bible teaches even that older siblings have an authority over younger siblings. So those of you that are the firstborn children, stop whining about having all the responsibility. God put you on that throne. And you babies of the family, you should be submissive to the older brothers and sisters that you have in your life. I've got seven who are over me in my family. (laughs) And they made sure that I knew where my place was. They always told me I was adopted. (laughs) I believe it to be so because I'm way better looking than all of them all together. They're ugly, ugly children, just ugly children. (laughs) Now, some of these fathers and some of these husbands and some of these wives and some of these mothers and some of these uh, children and some of these older siblings are very good. Some of them are very bad. But God set them up on the throne of the home. Now it got quiet. And like all the other thrones, it's how you respond to the word of God in response to that throne that's important. You'll find this truth about the throne of the job. And I'm going to read a large passage of scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5 says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will to the, as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever or whatever good anyone does, this he received back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both master and yours is, is in heaven. I'm sorry, let me pull back. Knowing that he who is both their master and your master is in heaven, who sits on the, the ultimate throne, God, is your master. And there is no partiality with him. The word bondservant speaks to somebody who chooses to surrender their life for service. And whether you like it or not, when you, when you become an employee of a company, they pay you for your labor. But you are under your boss's authority to get that pay. Amen. You are under the authority of the one who pays you for your labor. Now, the self-employed say, well, I don't have that problem. Yeah, you do. You're under the submission of the person that you're, you're serving. Who you provide the service to, you're under, under authority to, uh, of them. They are the authority of you. All the self-employed people just groaned. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Some are very good bosses, some are very bad bosses, some are very good employees, some are very bad employees. But it's God who puts the throne in place. So when you go to work and you complain about your boss and you fight your boss, you're fighting God. God put them in place. Well, I don't like my boss. 
doesn't matter. You've surrendered to that job. Why didn't I take more time off? See, God set it up that way. God said, masters do the same to them. I'm sorry. Um, Knowing that he who is both master and yours is in heaven. We're, We're submissive to God when we're submissive to the authority that he puts in our life. When I run into somebody that says I'm submissive to God, but you're not submissive to your family. You're not submissive to um, the job, your boss. You're not submissive to, I forgot all the things I already said. You're, you're, let's just say president. You're not being submissive to God. God puts those authorities in place. Just like God put King Uzziah in place, God put the priests in place, and they each had, each had authority, but it was different authority, and they didn't cross over and be in authority over another one. Because it was God who set the authority up. Let's talk about the, the throne of the church. Jesus is the head. Amen? Jesus is my boss. I serve him. As a Christian, Jesus is your boss. You serve him. You don't serve me, you serve him. But pastors do have a leadership role. We have an authority that God gives us in the church. Deacons then are to minister to the body so that the pastors can minister to the book. So they have an authority. And the members have an authority to serve the church. You have a responsibility, just like the priests. I can't do what you're called to do, and you shouldn't be trying to do what I'm called to do. Because we have different authority. This will be more fun in a minute, maybe, maybe not. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body in the body, each one, as he, each one of them as he chose. If all were single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. God organized his church. This is talking about the church. The way he wanted it organized. Why are we getting quiet now? This, is, this should be simple for us. God organized it the way he wanted it to. He put pastors and he put elders and he put deacons and he put members in place to do their part of the ministry. And when you fight against the authority that God puts in place, you're fighting against God. Some pastors are good. Some pastors are bad. I've been in one place long enough to know that sometimes I've been good, sometimes I've been bad. But I still know where my authority lies. And I know not to cross it. I know not to supersede. But I also know where my authority lies and I know what's my responsibility. Sometimes deacons are good. Sometimes deacons are bad. But they still have an authority in the church. Sometimes members do good. Sometimes members do bad. Are you with me still? But God still gives you authority to go ye therefore, to serve one another, to love one another, to forgive one another. There's a lot of one another's I could go through. We can simply say that God has given us earthly thrones and placed people upon them. 
Dads, God's given you an earthly throne. He's placed you on it. Husbands, God's given you an earthly throne. He's placed you on it. Whoever is our president, well, I don't care whether you like him or not. God put him there. Well, I don't like that. I don't care whether you like it or not. Just know that God did that for a reason. Good ones and bad ones. God gives you the pastors that he gives you. And I said I was honest. I said sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm bad. But like Isaiah, we can easily get discouraged when we're not living up to when they're not living up to their level. You can get discouraged, ladies, when your husband's not leading the way he should. Amen. Come on, ladies, you can say it. Don't be afraid of your husbands. I'm giving you permission. Kids, sometimes your parents are the worst. Amen? They're terrible leaders. You don't have to do everything they do just because they do it. Sometimes presidents are bad. Sometimes pastors are messed up. But it's usually because we become full of pride in ourselves. And if you're not careful, you can fight, find yourself fighting against the very God who put the authority in place. God will deal with those who he puts in place. See, I think it's okay to be sad and discouraged when those on the throne of the nations are not reigning well. But it's important to remember that God put them there. You say, well, why? Because God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. And his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than ours. He knows more about this nation and what it needs than you think that you do. He knows better about what's happening in the future. He knows better about what this nation needs to experience to come back to him. He knows exactly what he's doing. God is still on the throne even though the president's sitting in his seat. I think it's okay and even be to be sad and even discouraged when those on the throne of the home aren't reigning well. But remember that God put them there. It's okay to be sad that your husband's not being what he should be or your wife's not being what she should be or your parents aren't being what they... I think it's okay. I think the danger is when you try to usurp the authority that God put them in, in. I think it's okay to be sad and even discouraged when those on the throne of the workplace are not reigning well. But according to Ephesians chapter 6, God knows when you're not treating your employees well. God knows when you got a bad boss. For some reason, we think that God doesn't really know that. Yet he put it in his word, if you're going to be a boss, be a good boss. Or don't be a boss at all. If I put you on that throne, be good. Don't be so full of yourself. See, I think the bigger question is not how are you responding to the mistreatment? And are you honoring God when you're doing that? I think it's okay when those, uh, to be sad and discouraged when those in the throne of the church are not reigning well. But know that God is fully aware when pastors and deacons fail. See, here's what you don't understand about pastors. I, I, I don't think most people understand about pastors. 
James chapter 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers. So he's speaking about pastoral ministry. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. You screw up, God will deal with you. I screw up, God will deal with me. But my role, my authority that I've been given, when you're given that authority, you will face a greater condemnation because of the responsibility you have to that authority that God gave you. I am scared of being a bad pastor because I'm more afraid of God than I am of you. I don't care if you don't like me, but if he doesn't like me, we've got a problem. If he's upset at me because I failed, you're upset at me, you just leave. He's upset at me. I feel distance. Like Uzziah, our failures are public and they lead to isolation and separation. Just, just, I'll just use what's been going on in, in, our, in our country with pastors who fall into immorality. They build big ministries and they get people to follow them and they become strong and they seem spiritual and then they get full of themselves and then they start dating women that they're not married to. Amen? And they fall. And when they fall, what do you notice that happens? It's public. They get isolated and separated very quickly. If, the, if a congregational member of a church has an affair, generally, nobody knows about it but those people that are around them. But if a pastor falls into sin, everybody knows. And I can't just come back next week and say, oh, guys, it's okay. Just a little screw up there. <laughs> wink, wink. Are you with me? Isaiah got discouraged because the king placed on the throne of God started out so good but ended so poorly. When our president fails us because of pride, God, who is the ultimate authority, will hold him accountable to his word. And every president that reigns over our nation should be scared to death of God being upset at them. When your spouse, your husband, or your wife, or your parents fail because of pride, God, who is the ultimate authority, will hold him accountable to his word. Dads, you should be shaking a little bit about how you're raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ladies, how you're being unsubmissive to your husbands. Oh, that's a fun word to say. <laughs> you think that's pleasing God? Or is that upsetting him? Because God put that order in place on purpose, and it's his plan, not yours. When your boss fails you because of pride, God is the ultimate authority will hold him accountable to his word. If I'm a boss, if I'm an employer, I want to be careful how I treat my employees because of what God says about that. If I'm an employee, I want to be careful how I treat my boss. I had a boss one time. This is a simple story. A boss one time that was the biggest jerk I've ever known in my life. He purposely would make our, make our crew do all the garbage work on the machine. Everybody else got away with doing nothing. They'd get a break. They'd get two hours of nothing. We'd get two hours of hard labor. And I hated the guy. Hated him. Hated him. Didn't I hate him? <laughs> hated him. 
I would come home and complain and just spew all over my wife. He's this and he's that and he's this. And I realized one day that I'm supposed to be submissive to him. And I just started going to work and doing what the scripture says, just being submissive to him. And I became one of his favorites. So then when the crew had to do something bad, they had to do the slave labor. He'd let me have the fun. That's how God blesses. Amen. It didn't change the way he treated other people except for me. I'll take it. When your pastor or deacons fail you because of pride, God is the ultimate authority will hold them accountable to his word. That scares me. That some of you think that you need to be the disciplinarian of your pastor. Not letting God deal with the one that he put in place. While earthly failures in leadership might discourage you, it should encourage you that God will hold them accountable to those he places on thrones and he will hold them accountable to his word. I know this should have been about Jesus. I wanted to preach on Jesus today. But we live in a world that needs to hear this. God sets up earthly thrones and places those to whom he desires on them. And it's God, not you or Isaiah or anyone else to whom they'll have to answer to. As a young Christian, I learned this biblical principle by studying the life of David. And David was a great young man, did right things, did great things. And he had a nasty king that was put in authority over him. And the king threatened to kill him, tried to stab him with spears several times and chased him all over the place. And David was just this good guy doing good things all the time, but the king was just a bad king. And David had two opportunities to kill the king. And both times David made the statement. He said, I'm not going to lay my hand on the Lord's anointed. What he was saying is, I'm going to let God kill him. I'm not going to take into my hands something that's not my place. I'm going to let God take care of it. I wonder if you can live that way. Because I think that's what the scripture is teaching about who God is. God puts these people on the throne. Can you live in a nation where you don't like your president? And can you pray for him? more than fight him. Can you, and this is hard, can you live in a home where the husband's not being the right kind of husband? Where God put this husband in your life that he's supposed to be an authority, he's supposed to be responsible for taking care of the family and he's not doing it. How hard is it to live in that home? It's hard when you try to take it into your hands and try to change the situation, but what happens if God does it? Every husband will answer for how they took care of their wives. Every father will answer to how they took care, took care of their kids. But you don't want to answer for what you, you're doing against the authority that God put in place. Uzziah in pride subverted God's authority and, and he was marked as a leper his whole life. And every national leader who fails is marked by God. There's been some presidents in my life that did things immorally that forever they're marked by God. 
they, they will, I'll, I'll view them in a certain light, but to some degree, I'm going to remember their immorality and their moral failures. I won't say his name, but don't, you know what I'm talking about. Every parent that fails is marked by God. And you may not see that failure until your kids are older and they reject you. And it might be because of you, not them. And you know that your kids want nothing to do with you. And it might be because of things that you did or were done in, 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 your, in your leadership. One of the reasons why we struggle with the word divorce is because once you get divorced, there's always this stigma that comes with it. It's, it's a mark. And every time you sign any, fill any paperwork out on anything, it's, you've got to, were you divorced? Yeah. Jerk. <laughs> every boss who fails is marked by God. Listen, there are bosses that people won't work for because they're such jerks. And they can't find good employees because a good employee won't work for a bad boss. But what if you're working for that boss? Is quitting going to solve the problem? Or do you let God deal with it? But that's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. Every pastor who fails is marked by God. Every pastor who fails is marked by God. They don't just get back in the pulpit the next week. Most of them never, ever, ever step back foot in a pulpit. They never get the opportunities that they had before because they chose to be lifted up with pride and take advantage of the authority that God gave them and is forever marked. I find it fun. No, no, I won't say that. Shut up. Nope, some things just need to shut up. That would be bad pastor. See, it's never our place to subvert but support God's authority, especially in the realms of earthly thrones. The Apostle Paul, because here's the difference. The Apostle Paul had a download from God. God was giving him all sorts of amazing truths about himself. And so that he wouldn't get lifted up with pride, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh is different than leprosy. It was given to him so that he wouldn't get lifted up with pride. And if you recognize that that thorn in the flesh keeps you from being lifted up with pride, then you could submit to God's will. But a thorn in the flesh is different than leprosy. A thorn in the flesh is to humble us so that we're made perfect through weakness. So that we don't get so full of ourselves. And so dads, some of you have some problem children they might be more of a thorn in the flesh to keep you humble amen because if your kids were perfect you'd be lifted up with pride and say look how good my kids are look at what a good job I did and you probably didn't do it it was probably your wife amen see leprosy in the flesh is to identify our humanity and is proof of our weakness pride When there's separation from family and there's separation from the church or the house of God, it's evidence that you've been filled with pride. 
People don't, people don't leave a church because of humility. They leave a church because they're full of pride. Amen. See, a thorn in the flesh is to be reminded that the throne is not based on my success. So the throne keeps us humble knowing that God put me here. God put me in this place. But leprosy is given that we be reminded that the throne is God's and we've crossed the line. And yet I'll add this. Poor leadership should always lead us to the true, one true leader, God. If your president isn't doing what he should be doing, why don't you go to God about that? You think God doesn't know? Well, then pray because you need to tell him. Stop going down to the, where the guys are and bad-mouthing the president because when you're bad-mouthing the president, you're bad-mouthing the God who put him in place. Talk to God directly. If there's somebody that has a problem with your leadership, you want them to come talk to you, not to everybody else. Talk to God. God put them in place. You got a problem with your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents. Take it to God. Bring it to God and say, God, I'm having this struggle. Listen, I'm where I'm at because my wife took things to God about me and she talked to God about me about things that she shouldn't have been talking to God about. (laughs) But she never complained to me. And she never complained to you about me. She complained to the one who could make a difference in my life, and that was God. And I began to make spiritual transformation. I mean, changes were being made. I became a better person. I became, I mean, this awesome person that you see today. (laughs) Obviously, she's still got a lot of work to do. But it happened because of one person's prayer. I'm where I'm at because of her. Yes, I love her. You got a problem with your boss? Talk to God. Quote him the verse that he said in in Ephesians chapter 6. Where he talked about what it means to be a good boss. And quote it to him. Say, this is what you said. Let God deal with your boss. Quitting doesn't change your boss. Because that's the easy solution, isn't it? If your pastor's messed up, why don't you pray for me? Instead of praying on me. Pray for me. Because I might not see that I'm being lifted up with pride. I might not see that I'm proud proud of my success. I may not see the fall coming. Charles Spurgeon, I read an article by Charles Spurgeon this week, and he made the statement, he said, if my church stops praying for me, I'm going to stop pastoring. Because the one thing about pastoring that's true is God puts us in a place of authority, but it's, 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 it's a tough place of authority because we're, we're, we're trying to help people get closer to God, but we're also fighting spiritual battles. I just, last Sunday was the, the exact date that they voted me in as a pastor 25 years ago. 
So I did, I've actually done 25 years. Not This is the 25th year. This is the 26th year. This is the first sermon of year 26, and it's no different than the first sermon I preached ever. So it's probably the same thing. I can't remember why I was telling you all that. But I want to close with this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Have you ever thought, just, just a thought, that maybe your bad president will help you seek God more? Have you ever thought that maybe that bad father that you had, that, that bad husband that you have, that bad wife that you have, that whatever that, that person is in your life, might be put in place so that you would see God. Because it was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord. Have you ever thought of that bad boss that you have? Might actually be you being led to be closer to God. Have you ever thought that that bad pastor might be that you don't worship him, but you worship the God that he serves? And the God's just trying to reveal to you that he is human and I put him in this place, but I want you to worship me, not him. Because there's a lot of pastor worship going on in, in this generation. See, it's often thought that the success of a man is caused because we see the man as the successor. It's because of the man that's successful. But it's often through the failure of men that we see God. Some of you ladies are in church today because your husbands were horrible, are horrible, were horrible. I don't know. Some of you dads are in church because your dad wasn't the, uh, the best dad. And you came looking for a father who would love you and you found it through Jesus Christ who introduced you to his father. Some of you are in this church because you're in another church and you didn't like the pastor because he was a bad pastor. Again, after 25 years, I've been bad pastor. Not immoral bad pastor, but... I have not been perfect. See, it's often through the failure of man that we see God. Is that what it's going to take? God sets up these thrones to make a better life for us, but also because he uses but because he uses humans we always need to keep in mind that God is always on his throne and that's the ultimate place that we need to look is to God. And we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about his throne. I've got some great stuff for next week on, on God's throne. But if you can't be submissive to the thrones that God puts in your life here, you won't be submissive to the throne of God up there. I know that for a fact. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Let's pray. Let's stand.
Father, for some reason, it just popped into my head that that the teens in this place are being raised in a time when most authority is rejected. And it's not always rejected by them. Sometimes it's rejected by their own parents or their grandparents or their family, whatever. But Father, teach them to live under your authority. To trust that you are a good God and that whoever you put in place on the throne of the nation, you have a reason for having them there. And we're going to trust that you will do what's best for us. Father, I think of the teenagers that maybe don't have the best fathers. And how that should draw them closer to you because you've always been a good father. You've always been a loving father, a kind father. And maybe in what their father lacks, they can find that kind of love through you. So maybe their bad dad is there to lead them to a better life through you. Father, some of these people are struggling at their work because their bosses are horrible or they're a horrible boss. I don't know. Give them the strength to trust that you have a reason for having that person over them. And that our job is to be submissive to the authorities that you put in our lives. And Father, I think about this church in regards to me as their pastor. I have not always led well. There have been times that I've been lifted up with pride. There are times, Lord God, that I have not led them the right way. But sometimes you give us thorns in the flesh instead of leprosy of the flesh to remind us that we're not on the throne. Maybe that president is a thorn. Maybe that husband, wife, spouse, parent, older brother, older sister is a thorn. Maybe that boss, that customer. Maybe that pastor is a thorn in the flesh on purpose to get us to focus on you and not on them. Father, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Let us see you today. Let us seek you today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to pray, this altar is open. Pray for our president. Come on, church. Why don't you come pray for your spouse? Even if they're good, pray for them. 
Come on, kids, come pray for your parents. That they would stay humble and be responsible with the thrones that they've been given. And that we would honor the thrones that God puts in place. We don't need praise today, Father. We need prayer. We need to pray that we are solid Americans supporting our country. That we would be good husbands, good wives, godly parents, good children. That we would be good employees, that we'd be good bosses. And Father, that they would pray for their pastors. And that through that prayer that we see you, that we see you high and lifted up. We see you as the one who's on the ultimate throne. You are our God. You are our God. You are our God. My president is not my God. My dad was not my God. My mom was not my God. My brothers and sisters were not my God. My boss was not my God. And I definitely am not my God. You are. I see you, God. I see you today, high and lifted up. Gracious Heavenly Father, I feel led to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to get down on my knees, guys. Join me if you'd like. You are such a good God. If there's someone in this room that does not know you or did not like the way that I presented you, Father, help them to know that you are a glorious God, a good God, a loving God, a kind God who puts people in place to help us live a better life, but they're not perfect people. Father, when I fail my wife, I pray that you remind me. Maybe not through leprosy, but I'll, I'll take a thorn just that I'm humbled. That you allow me to be the husband of Deborah Jane. That you allow me to be the father of Michael and Casey and the grandfather of Bria Leanne. It's humbling to know that you've put me in this place as a boss to some employees 
who I want to serve them the best way I can. And the Father, you've put me in a position of, or in the role of a pastor and with that authority. And to a degree, I'm responsible for their spiritual growth. And I struggle with my failures in that area. Father, I pray that your people would pray for me. That we would pray for each other, husbands and wives, employees and employers. Those who are governed and those who are governing. That we would see your face in it all. We need you as a people. Our nation needs you as a people. This church needs you as a people. These families need you as as a people. Let us see you high and lifted up. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks. I can't get up, so... Have a great day. Enjoy your weekend. God bless. I can get it. I can get it.